Presently, in too many communities across the country, Asian Americans are being physically attacked and ostracized with their businesses hiring additional security or closing early to protect employees. Asian Americans are being singled out for such violence from misinformation that Americans of Asian descent are the cause of the COVID-19 virus. Thank so. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. The action against Asian Americans and other minorities, women, and religious groups is termed targeted violence. For the last four years, the Colorado Resilience Collaborative has been working on this persistent issue of targeted violence by extremist groups as one of their outreaches. Comprising 20 local and national partners, such as the Denver Police Department and the FBI, the Anti-Defamation League and the Islamic Society of Denver, the Aurora Public Schools and the Department of Homeland Security being among them, the collaborative outreach activities are centered at the University of Denver Department of Professional Psychology. Since the group's session, its executive director has been Dr. Rachel Nielsen. Originally in 2017, not that long ago, the Department of Homeland Security was looking for folks in the community who might be able to design community interventions and a place for people to go um, when they've been targeted, um, if they need some sort of help designing um, an intervention. And they came to the University of Denver because of the International Disaster psychology program, and uh, we started with a year of exploration, and it's been evolving ever since, and now it is um, funded by a much larger grant from Homeland Security, one of the recent awards uh, across our nation to continue to expand this work. You've been able to pull in uh, uh, organizations like the Aurora Public Schools, and so you start thinking of public schools having the same plane as Homeland Security. Yeah. So uh, so what we realized is really everyone has a part in this work from mental health to parents and discussions at home to the uh, educational systems and the ways that schools try to craft interventions for kids. And we have some great things in Colorado. I mean, ever since the, um, the unfortunate Columbine attack, we've gotten very good at response times and the um, law enforcement work with schools to keep locations safe and things like that. However, when it's ideologically motivated, people aren't really sure what to do with it. So if someone is saying that they want to um, make a big statement for a political reason or a social reason, that has a different yeah. flair aren't quite sure what to do with it. Are we seeing, the uh, uh, again, the need for this work in uh, mitigating hate violence uh, in the community now with the attacks and uh, things that we're seeing against the Asian American community because some Americans are blaming them for COVID-19? Yes, those are perfect examples. So 2020 really was a perfect storm in a lot of ways. You have people who are fearful about their futures. Uh, you have an election that was very heated, a pandemic. You have social justice riots, and people are trapped at home with lots of time, lots of time on their hands to get on the internet and uh, 
there's so much information out there. It's hard to tell what what to believe and what not to believe. And I think people's patience is really thin right now. And so it's easier to fall into this us versus them way of thinking. So I do think that's had a lot to do with the uptick in violent extremism, but it's not really a new issue. That is for sure. But I, I think when I found that the collaborative was based with the psychology department, then mm-hmm. uh, there's a real, uh, I guess, a research look or somewhere, you know, it, it's been determined that a lot of the things that drive these people are really based uh, with their with good mental health, with, with good psychological support. We could mitigate it there, but it all has a emotional uh, mental basis to it. It really does. And so I, I want to be clear that people's freedom of speech it, uh, should be protected, um, that people are really vulnerable um, for very human needs, a uh, very humanistic needs. So I'll say much of what the core of this is, is a need for identity, a need for justice, a sense of belonging, um, feeling important and um, frankly, hate groups look for those sorts of vulnerabilities, especially in the online space. But we're not talking about people who are just crazy. Um, yeah. Everyone who is um, on the pathway to violence has gotten to that point because they can't find ways to resolve their issues. And they are angry and scared, and they feel like it's a last resort. Um, so if we could deal with the emotional issues, yes. Um, but I also just don't want to demonize people who um, are upset and, um, and, and really do need a, a platform or a resolution. Um, but we do need to pull people back from this edge of violence, harassment, intimidation, and us hurting each other um, and really mm-hmm. get back to strengthening communities. You mentioned because of the pandemic, people being online. Um, mm-hmm. Are we seeing a increase in a lot of these negative actions? Because uh, twenty years ago, the online ability to do there wasn't to, to do this wasn't there, and yeah. they would have to go out and print stuff and mail stuff and actually try to set up meetings and all that. And now online. Uh, with computers and websites and stuff like that has made it a lot more efficient to do. And therefore it's becoming, uh, it's growing more and growing faster because of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Online has contributed a very uh, important uh, aspect to this stuff growing then. Yeah. And, and I'd say there are a number of factors that, that I would highlight. So one is that, um, People who tend to be more vulnerable to hateful rhetoric or conspiracy theories um, tend to be a bit lacking in critical thinking. And so they uh, may take something at face value and believe it to be true, maybe without considering the source, for example, or the agenda of the person writing it. The online space also has allowed people who are not actually part of a group to still read the information, um, uh, contribute, or get some, like, inspiration from things that they're actually not a part of. 
so that makes it trickier as well because um, uh, interestingly or strangely, however you want to put it, um, for instance, white supremacy groups used to have hate rock concerts or picnics where they would go out to parks and their factions would come and they would have essentially family events. Um, yeah. Now that you don't have to physically show up, nobody can keep you out of the forum necessarily. It opens it up to lots of people that are all over the spectrum from um, curious to wanting to wanting to attack. And um, yeah, the, the reach makes it pretty concerning. Not only the reach, but the anonymity too, because they can hide yeah. behind the computer for a long time before they have to come out. And, and to your point about, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have the uh, technical savvy that we do now. Now they're encrypted platforms and there are certain, um, certain platforms that really do push this freedom of speech slash hate agenda. And so um, there are whole channels that have been shut down and then another one crops up. And uh, mm-hmm. the encrypted space is something that even the FBI can't hack. Um, I, I think people tend to believe that the federal government has way more uh, reach and um, connection to what people are doing online than they actually do. In fact, it's the right. tech companies that know what everyone's up to. <laughs> In order for these people to reach new people... They can't do it through encryption. They got to be visible somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. in there. And yet, that's a perfect point. So it will start with something that is provocative, eye-catching, and maybe not such a disgusting theme. You know, it, it would be watered down enough that it may not even come across as hate rhetoric in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then as yeah. someone gets deeper and deeper, then they're invited to encrypted sites. Are we as a society maybe making an assumptive mistake by saying, oh, we'll read something and say, oh, that's so silly. Nobody's going to do that. I can't believe that at all. Or we should be maybe countering these things when we see them so they don't get started because um, – People are swayed by group persuasion, and if the group starts saying, "Ah, oh, wait a minute, that's not right. You can't do that. That isn't that isn't good for you," then maybe they'll turn away from it. But I think a lot of us just say, "Ah, oh, you know, that's too stupid. Nobody's going to pay attention to that." But people do. But people do, and um, we're you know we're never really. I I don't expect that we're going to get a handle on the. Uh, the management of the internet. I don't think as a parent myself, I feel like the best way to go is to teach my kids uh, what's good for them, what's not good for them and give them the skills mm-hmm. to keep themselves safe online. Um, so I, I think of that much in the same way for everybody else in the community, that these are conversations we need to have at home and that yes, yeah. when something is odd or concerning that, um, that someone that we love and care about says or, or something they're typing in their uh, instant messages, that we have the conversation. So I, I do parallel this to suicide prevention. We used to think 
uh, decades ago that if you talk to someone about suicide, that they were going to be more likely to do it. Um, and so let's just not talk about it. And in yeah. fact, we need to do the opposite. We need to stay in touch with that person, ask them the specifics of what they mean, and then we can find out if, if this is someone who is upset and struggling but could benefit from some support from their family, maybe talk to a counselor and get some sessions in, figure out what's making them so unhappy. But also on the other end of the spectrum, if someone like in suicide prevention is saying, I, you know, that they have a plan and they're ready to act, then you got to bring out um, real services to uh, take care of them and keep them safe. Maybe that person mm-hmm. needs a hospitalization for themselves and for others. So same deal here. Um, sometimes it's dabbling with some racist content, expressing anger in ways that are upsetting and really inappropriate yeah. for a school or a workplace. But on the other end of the spectrum, you do have people who are getting organized and planning attacks. And that's why we need everyone. That's why the, the mission is, to put um, basic information and awareness level um, uh, info in the hands of everybody so that when you hear somebody say something um, that makes you get that icky feeling in your gut, like, ew, what does that mean, that um, that everybody knows you, you're encouraged to have the conversation with the person rather than avoid mm-hmm. it. Um, which is hard. Nobody likes to have difficult conversations or feel like they're being confrontational, but you can do it in a loving, caring way. On this edition, our subject has been fighting targeted violence through the insight, healing, and action work of the Colorado Resilience Collaborative being led by Dr. Rachel Nielsen at the University of Denver. We learn more, including what we can do as individuals to end targeted violence on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay in your game. Mask up and keep your distance when going out. And we deeply appreciate you sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.